Welcome in to your Tuesday scramble for March 8th, 2022 Players Championship Week. I'm Rick Gaiman. That right there. Andy Lack. Andy, I am going to go out on a limb and say this will be the biggest scramble we've ever done. Huge week. We've had we got it the ball rolling early with I mean, should we, can I can I talk about it? Can it can I give a quick plug to some of the new stuff? Plug away, my friends. Plug away. Okay. Okay. So um as me- hopefully you guys are all listening to my podcast as well. But if not, me and Rick are doing a bunch of new stuff, not just the scramble, um, right. but on rickrungood.com. So the first thing that we did was um a very in-depth written course breakdown. And part of the thing that we've been conceptualizing, Rick, when we first started talking about this was adding a lot more written content to your site. Um, And so we kicked that off this week with a full in-depth course breakdown of TBC Sawgrass. And we'll get into some of the key points on the show today. But if you're more of a written written word guy, if you're at the office and you can't really listen to as many podcasts during the day, be sure to check that out on rickrungood.com slash Andy to get to my landing page. Um, sign up there. A bunch of great tools plus all of the written stuff. And then we're doing, I'm doing a Wednesday DFS thing as well, which I think is actually going to be extremely important this week, right. specifically given the weather. So ultimately, there's just a bunch of cool new stuff that we're doing and I'm super excited to watch it on such a big golf week. Yeah, in the six years I've been doing this and and owning and operating RickRunGood.com, and it was a data website. I there have and a lot of audio and video content. I'm very aware of the fact that people, some people, just like written stuff. I get yeah. emails about it, messages about it all the time, and that is not necessarily my strong suit. It's something that I'm not necessarily as passionate about. So to be able to have you, who I really, oh, Armina's already bringing up the one and done standings. If you're watching <laughs> on YouTube, she's ready to jump the gun. Um, to have you come on and provide a very analytical deep dive into courses is one thing, which is already up on the site, but the Wednesday, the Wednesday article. Yeah. This is what I'm excited about because you know this. I mean, we can talk until we're blue in the face on Monday mornings and Monday afternoons and Tuesday mornings, but there's a lot that changes from uh, maybe this week a weather angle, but most weeks an ownership angle, a game theory perspective. So a, a kind of final thoughts article to me, um, I, I think it's an underserved portion of the industry and I'm glad that you are taking it on. A hundred percent. And that was the thing that we talked about, right? Was I do a podcast that I record on Saturday night, the week prior to the tournament. And then one that I record on Monday night. And then we do the Tuesday morning show and all my content in terms of my quote unquote picks is done for the week. Right. But what happens is things change. Ownership change. We get new ownership projections. The weather changes all these there's all these different factors that you aren't able to account for until the very last minute, or you shouldn't, you shouldn't really be accounting for until the end. And so that's what we kind of had in mind with the Wednesday DFS article where it's like, okay, now we have all the information at our disposal. It's kind of a final thoughts piece. So I am extremely excited to get started on that this week. 
Yeah, absolutely. Well, cheers to you, Andy, and our uh, our new and improved uh, relationship. Very excited about it moving forward. This scramble indeed presented by Prize Picks. That's the props that we've been absolutely smoking for the last handful of weeks. The code you're looking for there is Rick. 100% instant deposit match up to 100 bucks, and we're gonna get to the prop segment in just one second. But Andy, I um I tweeted out. Two two props for round one, uh, a Morikawa fairway prop and a Casey fairway prop that I believe in 36 minutes, I was already getting messages that said these lines have moved. So we are, um, I hate to say it, moving the market. Yeah, I would say so. Even sometimes I've pulled this during an ad break where I've I've made prize pick selections during an ad break because I know um, they are moving very quickly. And I think that's, something that we can take advantage of with prize picks is that they're a little shaky with the way they set some of the, these lines right now. And I think they kind of wait for the market to react a little bit to them. So um, we are on an insane run with prize picks and yep. I love my picks this week. So excited to get to start talking about it. Awesome. We'll get to that segment in just one second, but I do want to bounce back to the API for just a minute. And I see the questions are coming in, in the chat. We will get, get some as many fire questions. Yeah, we're, yeah. We'll, we'll get to those. There's a time and a place for those. We're not quite there just yet. Scotty Scheffler goes out, gets it done. Andy wins for a second time in three starts at Bay Hill. Uh, the I cannot stress how important I think Ted Scott on the bag is. And if I could buy stock in Scotty Scheffler from now to the match play where he's played well, to Augusta with Ted Scott on the bag, to the events in Texas, like we could be looking at a very strong stretch of golf. And he already has two wins in that stretch. <laughs> Yeah, Scotty. She okay, so Scotty Scheffler has been kind of like my adopted second favorite player after Xander for a very strange reason. I kind of um, around Ryder Cup time, I got very invested in this Scotty Scheffler needs to be on the Ryder Cup team. So I kept banging the drum over and over again for Scotty Scheffler to be on the Ryder Cup team. And sure enough, that was a good choice over Kevin Na, mind you. And um, he has turned out to be great. So I kind of had that relationship to him since then, since I kept banging the drub on Twitter for him to be on the Ryder Cup team. And ever since, the progression has been pretty wild for him. And that's why I say, like, I think we talked about this on a podcast, Rick. Coming into the year, we were like, Scheffler's kind of close to that point where he needs a win to validate right. this. Yep. Right. Um, he was great in the major championships last year, but he was getting to that point where he really needed that win or people were start going to say, okay, well, is he, is he ever going to win? And look how quickly things have changed. Yeah, very, very quickly things have changed for Scotty Scheffler. We're going to get to the the head-to-head -head matchup recap, but we had a matchup last week that was Victor Hovland versus Scotty Scheffler. I took Hovland, you took Scotty. Imagine losing your matchup for the guy who with the guy who finishes second. That is just like the nut low way to lose a matchup. <laughs> yeah, there were some last week was so tilting, Rick. So I had a matchup with uh Martin Laird and Matt Jones, and I had the Laird side. And Laird was up seven strokes going into the final round, and he shot an 81 to push. Yeah. 
Casey, Casey did something similar. He went like 77, 81 on the weekend or something like that and just dropped 60 spots or something outrageous. How did you feel about that golf course? Because I know, um, you know, listen, I don't really care. The people, when it's 25 under at Shriners, golf Twitter hates it. When it's five under at Bay Hill, golf Twitter hates it. I don't really care either way. Somebody has to win the golf tournament and par, as we know, social construct. How did you feel about the setup last week? Well, first of all, I think Rory's quotes were taken a little bit out of context, right? Where he was basically asked about the scheduling spot for Bay Hill and how he was preparing for the players. And I think Rory said, yeah, you know, I think there's a pretty decent chance that we're not maybe going to see as many good players come to Bay Hill uh, next year based on these conditions. It's a fine line, and this is a whole other podcast in right. terms of uh, course conditioning and course setup. But Bay Hill was teetering the edge, right? I, I think the perfect golf course setup is a course setup that rewards good shots and punishes bad shots. And Bay Hill was definitely teetering the edge hmm. of not rewarding good shots. I'll give you an example, Rick. The shot that Victor Hovland had on 18 was basically impossible to get close, Correct. right? You you had to you had to almost do what Billy did, which is play out left and give yourself a 30-footer, right? Because Hovland bounces on the fringe and he gets no bounce. It stops. He has, there. Yeah. It stops right there. And he gets he has now he has an uphill 15-footer, which is the absolute best thing he can do. If he lands that two yards longer on the green that's bouncing over the green and bouncing into the back rough. Yeah. And so you look at Victor's face and he's like, I don't really know how I could have hit that any better. Yeah. He hit it in the two foot window that it stops right there. If he misses the fringe, it goes over the green. If he's short of it, he's down just dead short of the green. It's just, he hit it in the only spot you can hit it and didn't even have a great look at it. <laughs> that That's, that's the issue, right? Is that when we when we get to certain courses where I think some of the players this week threw threw their hands up and Rick, not you know, not to tip our own cap too much, but this was one of the main things that we talked about on the Tuesday show was they hired a new greenskeeper who is devious, who is who 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 has a different philosophy and says, I'm not gonna cut the grass, I'm not gonna water, I'm gonna let these greens bake out. And there's some interesting stuff with sawgrass too. So that's why I always again, just to plug the Monday article again, like this course setup stuff is really, really important. I think a lot of people that picked Victor Hovland last week. Like if Victor Hovland had a better short game, he wins that tournament by five, six strokes. Right. And you got to a point last week where even the best long iron players in the world, like Victor Hovland and Rory McIlroy weren't able to hold their iron shots on the green. And that stuff matters. That changes the complexion of the course. And that changes kind of the players that we want to be identifying. Uh, okay, Armina, it is time now. Let's go to the one and done standings here because I got off uh, like a bandit in round one with Rory McElroy, who was the 18 hole leader. He would fade to, I think it was T13, 228,000. Will Zalator is for you, Andy, 53,400. So I at least chipped into the lead just a bit for the season now. 
you're at $1,992,483, while I sit at $504,533 as we enter the largest purse of the entire year. Yeah, I would have liked to get a little bit more out of Zalatoris. He he was he had a weird week. He was he was up there at the beginning and then he he fell back and then he um had a good he had a good round again and then a terrible round on Sunday. I think he finished like T38. You said it. it. This is the week, right? And this is what I would say if you're in any bigger one and done contest like even if you had a disaster filled start to the season. Right. If you get this one, you are in prime position. If Rick yeah. wins, if Rick wins this week, he is above me by like over a million dollars. So, you know, this is a huge week and uh, I like my pick. I like your pick too. <laughs> I have not looked at yours yet. Should I scroll okay. down? Yeah. Okay. I, looked, I got it. I, yeah. I looked at yours. So uh, we'll, we'll get, we'll get there soon. We'll get there soon, and uh, we're we're ready to turn the page. We're going to get to the Players' Championship. We've got, my God, we, we're going to break down the course. We're going to talk about the conditions. We are going to talk about the field. We're going to give props. We're going to look at head-to-head matchups. We're going to answer as many of these questions in the chat as we can get to. So there's a lot going on. <laughs> we'll do it on the other side. Andy Lack is not only the co-host of The Scramble, but also produces his own show, The Inside Golf Podcast. It's available twice a week, focusing on course breakdowns, DFS, and betting strategies for every PGA Tour event. Admittedly, I was drawn to Andy for his data-driven approach, which you'll find on his Sunday shows as he breaks down the field. But I'm even more impressed by his passion for course architecture, which offers a different perspective of our great game. Mix those together with insightful and humorous guests who don't take themselves too seriously, and you've got a recipe for a great podcast. Follow Inside Golf Pod on Twitter and download Inside Golf wherever you download podcasts. Did you notice that that ad did not blow your eardrums out, Andy? No, really good um, sound mixing control. Um, Producer Mina is like, honestly, just kind of operates on a different uh, plane than most producers out there. But yeah, she fixed fixed that ad, which used to be uh, a million times louder than that. Uh, Players championship. Here it is. $20 million purse. Let's start with... Do you want to start with course, field, or weather? There's a lot of questions about weather. You want to start yeah. there or end there? Yeah, we can we can start with weather, although I don't know if I have a, a great answer for this. First of all, um, based on what I'm looking at now, I don't see a conceivable situation where they finish this tournament on Sunday afternoon um, because what I'm seeing is it's thunderstorms, right? And they can play through rain, but thunderstorms means they're going to put everyone off the course and it's Florida. So there's going to be a lot of stopping and starting like generally in Florida rain comes in, in pockets, right? So it's going to be, it's going to be a bloodbath because I think we're going to get a lot of short delays and then it's going to um, resume. And then we're going to have the guys get off the course. So again, like right now, I am basically just waiting and seeing we're going to get more updates it's probably going to change in the next day and a half again that's part of the reason why we've got the wednesday article now but right now i am I'm, I'm expecting a bloodbath i don't know how they're going to finish this tournament on time rick yeah it looks like it's going to be wet chances of thunderstorms basically every day from today tuesday through friday rain on saturday if you're looking at 
weather underground. I mean, there's probably a bunch of different sources here, but uh, yeah, it looks like it's going to be wet. And let's just kind of get into what that means for everybody else, because there are questions in the chat from Fujo man. Hey, with wet conditions and that softening ground, how does that change our approach on things like fairways and greens? I mean, th this is the type of situation that if this golf course plays wet, it's going to play a little bit differently who does it help? Who does it hurt? How does that impact our exposure? Okay. Well, not to get too in the weeds here, but it really matters if it rains at night, right? Because TPC Sawgrass has sub air systems under their greens. And if we don't get rain at night, then they can turn the sub air systems on during the night and help dry out the greens a lot. But if it rains at night, then the sub air is basically useless because you can't run the sub air system in the rain and you can't run the sub air system when players are on the course, right? So right now it looks like it's going to rain throughout the night as well, which basically mitigates all of the technology that the PGA tour has spent on creating this uh, high tech golf course. So I would probably lean on the side as it's going to be wet. And I think that it was kind of wet the year that Rory won. Um, and I think that favors probably guys like Rory McIlroy and Victor Hovland that can play and Colin Morikawa for that, for that matter too, that can play target golf where the course is going to play a little bit longer, but the greens are going to be a lot more receptive. And suddenly you have the best iron players, the guys that have the highest like ball flight and stuff like that. Your Hovlands, your Rory's guys like that probably have a little bit more of an advantage in wet conditions. Matt wants to know if I'm on team uh, sub air. Have you, are there teams forming? Have you been getting in trouble on Twitter? Yeah, I've been, I was, <laughs> I'm, I'm, this is like, it's, oh, I'm done. I'm done with this. I'm done arguing with groundskeeper Twitter. But it's the yes, worst. I tweeted something that, was facetious, I thought, to most people about them being able to flip a switch and turn and turn the sub and turn the greens completely dry. There were there was even like a parody Patrick Reed uh use golf facts account that got in on it and people thought that it was the real use golf facts. So everyone was tweeting acting like Justine was getting in on the sub air debate when it was really just a parody used golf account. It's quieted down. Like it was not the most ideal way to spend a Monday, but yes, uh, agronomy and groundskeeper Twitter. Um, they're a, a, a delightful bunch. I suppose I am team sub air. I, I mean, it's not a magic system. It, like you have to run it. Yeah. Overnight for a long period of time to get it out. But like, I would prefer courses have them than not have them if that's the debate. <laughs> so that's, that's basically the only point that I was making. And, and somebody came back and was like, well, the masters had sub air in 2019 and that 2020 and that course was still really wet and it's like yeah okay but georgia had been getting dumped on for months straight and we're talking about intermittent the threat of intermittent rain showers across two days after a completely dry february it's not really you can't really compare those two situations so 
anyway, it, it, it's it's all irrelevant. Like I said, it, the the sub air only comes into play here if it's not raining the entire time. If it's raining the whole time, then you got me. It's going to be soggy, and you, you're not going to be able to run the sub air. But if there's opportunities for them to run the sub air they will be able to dry this course up somewhat, which was my only point. But can we please move on? I'm so, okay. One one more thing. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, we can move on. Um, Outside of weather, which we are going to keep a close eye on, and Andy is going to obviously talk about in his Wednesday kind of final thoughts article that's going to be on rickrungood.com. But outside of that, the move back from May to March changes a couple of things. Also, uh, I think statistically, when you start running regression models, this course is a ball strikers uh, opportunity. And also, I think there's a little bit of evidence that there's paths to victory for poor putters, Andy. And there's also paths to victory for maybe guys that just take apart the fives. Yeah, I par five scoring was huge for me as well. And um, again, one of the biggest changes to this course, Rick, was that the players used to be in May and now it's in March. And so what does that mean? That means in March, the entire course was overseeded, right? So these greens aren't that Florida grainy Bermuda that you're used to seeing. They're overseeded with a velvet bent grass and a POA, which makes them kind of more shiny. It makes them play a little bit more like that green that we see um, in Phoenix at, at PGA West. And you know, you have ryegrass in the rough, so it's not the Bermuda sticky rough anymore. It it changes, it changes a lot. And I think for me this week, obviously, it's going to be weather dependent. And we're going to have to see how that plays out as the rest of the week. But I think if I had to like do it in one sentence, Rick, there are a lot of ways to win at TPC Sawgrass. But if I was picking like two things, I would probably pick like short to mid iron play and score on those par fives and stay out of trouble, right? There's 17 water hazards here for sure. Okay. It's about that time. We are going to take a break. We are going to go to the prize picks, prop it like it's hot segment. If history is any indicator, you should log into your prize picks account right now and you should be prepared to enter these if you would like to get the same line that we are offering uh, because 36 minutes is what it was on Monday between the time that it came out and the line moved. So if you're ready to rock and roll, sign into prize picks, use the code Rick, uh, and we're going to start giving out props on the other side. All of the tools and data that you see me use on this channel is from my site, rickrungood.com. Rickrungood.com is one of the largest golf databases on the planet, and it's geared towards making your DFS and betting research process as efficient as possible. There are literally millions of data points in the database, and while that might sound intimidating, the tools that I've built allow you to cut through the data quickly, choose what's important to use, and even build lineups that are ready for import directly into DraftKings. Outside of that, membership gets you access to the Slack channel. Currently 2,000 run-gooders who are ready to share insights and have a little fun. I love it, and you will too. Sign up at rickrungood.com. Let's prop it like it's hot. This is brought to you by Prize Picks. That's where we're making all these props. The code you're looking for is Rick. 100% instant deposit up to $100. But quite frankly, they shouldn't even be paying for the show because they're paying us in winnings because we're absolutely smoking them, Andy. The last four scramble episodes, our record. 15 and two. Is that remotely sustainable? 
normally I would say no, but I, I do. <laughs> if they're going to keep putting lines up like this, I think it may be sustainable because basically what we're doing every week, we're coming on the show and we're saying, okay, how can we use math to our advantage to kind of solve this problem? And time after time again, like this seems to be working for us. So I do think that prize picks will probably start to figure this out. I think they've probably taken a bit of a bath with some of these, but for now, I'm just going to keep capitalizing on it. And it has turned into like my favorite markets about golf recently, which is saying a lot. Yeah. And I've got, um, I've got data specific to prize picks on my website, rickrungood.com. The prize pick specific stuff, that's free. Uh, but I will note if you sign up for rickrungood.com this week, takes you through the masters. So that would be, you know, the monthly be a pretty good thing to get yourself involved in right there. Okay, Andy, we've got everybody logged into prize picks. They've used the code Rick. They're ready to rock and roll. Let's start them off with a prop here. What, what do we have for our first winner? Okay. So I went with Russell Henley under 72 in the first round, which means he just has to break par. Mm -hmm. um, I don't really understand why Henley hasn't been better at this golf course. I yeah, think he's missed a is, ton of cuts, right? Okay, exactly. And I think this is a pretty perfect golf course for Russell Henley. He's one of the best wedge players in the world, which is why he's had so much success at courses like uh, Harbor Town, the Traveler, Sony, Wyndham, the list goes on. And there isn't a conceivable reason to me why he hasn't been better at Sawgrass, but I think the negative history is baked into the line here. So I'm going to trust my numbers. I'm going to trust my statistical breakdown and modeling and my thoughts on the skill set required to succeed here. And I think in my opinion, Henley fits that to a T. So I think you're getting a decent price break on him, um, especially if it is a little bit more wet yeah. um, and you get Russell Henley with wedges in his hands, firing at pins. Like I think he's going to have a really nice week. Two things that I forgot to mention here, and this is probably a good time. Um, one, I, this Henley thing is very much course fit versus course history. Those are two different things. History, not good for Russell Henley, but in theory, course fit on paper, how it uh, works for and against his strengths should be much better. Yeah, I, I completely, that's kind of, that's the way I feel too. And a lot of the time people, people weigh course history far too much and, and there's context involved with course history, right? Like sometimes a player shoots a really bad round and then a really good round, or sometimes it's just a bad scheduling spot for a player. They're coming off of a peak performance and it's a natural letdown spot. So I tend to weigh more like my statistical modeling and my, uh, how I weigh golfers based on course fit, sometimes a little bit more than course history. So yeah, Russell Henley for me under 72 in round one. Okay. That's prop number one. The other thing is, and we didn't mention this. If this starts to rain, if this is wet, the PGA tour loves preferred lies. Andy, is there yeah. a chance we get lift clean in place at the entire event? Well, would they do it at a premier event like this? You'd hope that they would, try to get them to play the ball down, but they really don't like mud ball situations. Yeah, they would definitely do preferred lines and, and I preferred lines. That's, <laughs> that's a plug podcast. for Joe's podcast. Yeah. For Joe's. I always have to think so hard when I'm about to say preferred lies. I'm always like, 
Don't just make sure you say the right one. Make sure you say the right one. <laughs> they did it. It was a great move using that. Um, I know using that name. But shout out Joey Doni. We love Joe. Um, preferred lies. Um, okay, so yes, and I actually do think Rick that there are certain players like the PGA Tour is going to err on the side of caution, especially after you have Rory McIlroy complaining mm-hmm. about course setup mm-hmm. literally the week prior. If I had to make a guess, I would probably say that the PGA tour errs on the side of conditions that will not upset the players. So yes, I think preferred lies is very much in play this week. The other thing that I did was that was super nerdy. So I tweeted out a Paul Casey under fairway, which I got a little worried about because you know, soft fairways, if you landed in the fairway, it's probably going to stop there. It's not like firm and fast. Like you see at number six at Bay Hill, where they landed in the fairway and everything runs through into the rough. And that is tech technically a missed fairway. So what I did for Casey is I actually went back. I have, um, I have access to his, uh, I have access to the radar data and I was looking at where the ball lands and where it finished. And he was just pumping everything. Like he wasn't even landing anything in the, in the fairway. So I thought that I might be okay with that. That is, that is some next level. That is like, that encapsulates our friendship. That's like why we're friends is you're looking at where balls have landed in the fairway. I'd love it. (laughs) Uh, My first prop uh, cam champ under 12 greens in regulation. And I do get a little bit worried about under greens, under fairways in soft conditions, but cam champ is he's in a, he's in a tough spot right now. You know, he has only hit, uh, he's at 12 or more greens in regulation in only three of his last 10 rounds. And also, if we do go down this path, Andy, of lift clean in place for a guy who does not hit many fairways and does not land in many fairways, Camp Champ does not get that benefit. So I kind of, I get a little worried fading unders on greens and regulation in soft conditions. But if you're not getting the edge and you're already struggling in the category and you're already not playing all that well to begin with, I thought this was an opportunity to go get camp champ. Yeah. And I think it's a very smart move to play the under too, because you look at most of the time camp champ does not play very good golf and he is losing in approach, right? Right. There are going to be occasional spike putt, spike performances from cam champ. And if cam champ has a spike performance, he's going to go over and everything. The problem is, is those spike performances happen very, very few and far between. So I like that bet at all. I like, did you notice this Rick? Like we're getting more, uh, players this week oh, for the players. They're th- giving us a much larger player pool. This has got to be the largest pool they've ever put out for golf. There's like 40 golfers available or something like that. And yes, it, it is it, with, with more options. I actually think there are more edges because all these lines aren't that sharp, but they can't, they can't be. There's too many. No, they're not. And we could do, we could do a whole like another <laughs> podcast on it because I was, I found a ton this morning. Can I give you my next one? Yeah, please. Okay, so I went with our guy, um, Matthew Fitzpatrick, hole 11, under 4.5. So I was surprised to see this, Rick, but Matthew Fitzpatrick, like dominant par five guy, Um, short sample size, large sample size. He crushes those par fives. He's been last 36 rounds. He's been the second best par five player in this field behind Patrick Cantlay. I think that's because he's a very accurate driver of the ball and he's got a good short game, right? And I was looking at hole 11, which is a par five, third easiest hole on the course. Since the players have moved to March, it's been minus 0.32 strokes under par 
with a 37% birdie rate. And I was looking at the Rick run good adjusted course fit tool mm-hmm. and um, which you can find on the course fit page and Matthew Fitzpatrick is second. And I, I, I think that makes sense when you actually consider it Rick, because what Matthew Fitzpatrick is good at um, he's turned into a really good driver of the ball, really accurate off the tee. He's got a great short game, which I think matters at Sargrass more than some will tell you he's a great bunker player and he's good at taking advantage of par fives. So if Fitzpatrick plays well this week, it's because he's taking advantage of holes like 11 and 11 has historically been a very easy and gettable hole with a high birdie percentage. I'm getting a guy who I don't worry about in the wind. I don't worry about in the rain. Who's a weed at par fives on a very easy hole. I will take the under. I'm glad you went with hole 11 unders because so did I. And Will Zalatoris is the guy that I chose. So I also have the hole by hole scoring here. So you can go see Will Zalatoris or every other player that's being offered on prize picks on my website and see what he's done at every single hole. Not only has he been elite at all the fives, Andy, but he's played 11 four times. He's only played this event once. He birdied it every single time. So he's got a little bit of uh, good vibes around there. I, I'm fairly bullish on Zalatoris this week. I'm mostly yeah, Luke, me too. lukewarm most weeks, but I, if we start to negate, he's, he's cut from the same exact cloth. Justin Thomas is, isn't he? Yeah. And I think a lot of people, he was very popular the past two weeks. And I think a lot of people will probably, probably hop off because this is a shorter positional golf course. And we know Will Zalatoris is such a great long arm player, but I made this case with why I like John Rahm and Zalatoris is kind of the baby version of John Rahm in this sense. But if Zalatoris or Rahm is just like a neutral putter, like I'm not even asking them to be like plus three, plus four, plus five. Like if they are like plus one, they are in the top 10 at bare minimum. Right. And so I just think what Zalatoris is doing from a ball striking perspective outside of Rom is just kind of on a little bit of a different level right now. Henley under 72 Fitzpatrick under four and a half hole 11 Zalatoris under four and a half hole 11 and Cam Champ under 12 greens in regulation. Those are the numbers as of right now and probably in the next 30 or 45 minutes, those numbers will change. So use the code Rick, go over to prize picks, get yourself in on the action and hope we can continue this incredible run of props that we are on. Andy, we got questions in the chat. We've got yeah. head-to-head stuff to get to. We've got one. That we'll do, we're going to do the questions first, uh, but we're going to do it after a quick break. If you're not playing Daily Fantasy on prize picks, then you're not really playing Daily Fantasy. They offer nothing but props, and they do it better than anyone else. You pick two to five players on an over-under and can win up to 10 times on any entry. They allow mixed sport entries, meaning you can take the over on LeBron James and the under on John Rahm. The golf-specific props are amazing. Birdies or better, fairways hit, greens in regulation, round score, and now, yes, single hole props. That's right. What score will a golfer make on a specific hole? I have prize pick specific tools on my website to help you build the best entries. And now prize picks is offering a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. Just use the code Rick at sign up or click the link in the description. That's code Rick. Good luck. All right, Andy, I'm going to try to run through a lot of these real quick here. So Joe S, how do you get strokes gained in an event for models and categories? Go to rickrungood.com. Uh, <laughs> is there a big knock? 
on players that have poor course history at Sawgrass or should people just play them as they usually would and accept that it's part of the randomness of the golf course that from Xander Shaw. Oh, he's my guy. He's a, gr- I, I, I love Xander Legion. Um, so I think course history, in my opinion, at Sawgrass is, um, a little bit less relevant just because there's so much in inver- so much variance on this course. It's so easy to get going in the wrong direction here. If you hit a couple water balls, like we, there's water on so many holes and you've so many guys like Rory McIlroy, for example, he's got like five top tens here and five missed cuts, right? So there's just a lot of variance. So I would say course history doesn't matter as much at Sawgrass. But I think experience matters, right? So one thing that I noticed with TPC Sawgrass winners and guys who have played well here, it's not a lot of debutants playing well, but it's also not players. It's it's not necessarily players that have been awesome from a course history standpoint, but you need to have experience in some sense, right? So you, I don't necessarily need it to be good experience, but I want it to, does that make sense at all? I want it to be some experience. Yeah, no, it makes complete sense. And I actually ran the numbers a little bit for this, and you could do this a lot of different ways uh, in my newsletter this week, where I looked at every single event, Andy, for the last five or six years and looked at just the golfers over $9,000. And I looked at their missed cut rate and it kind of shows you where there might be more carnage. Do you want to take a guess at some of the highest carnage rates, the, the courses or events in which it's actually events in which the over 9K guys miss the cut the most? My first guess is would be all of the Florida events. All right. So number three, Valspar. Number four, Honda Classic. Yeah. Yeah. Because there's just more water on these courses, right? And and I would assume, you know, Bay Hill had like a super high six of six percentage last week. And it seemed like everyone made the cut. But I would imagine Bay Hill historically has been tougher on that end. So I don't, I only have uh, the top five here. Bay Hill, not in the top five. Number one, the American Express, which makes sense because you get the three course rotation. We talk about volatility there. 40% missed cut rate of golfers, $9,000 or more. That's number one. Number two, this one kind of um, fooled me at first. Can I guess? Sure. Is it TPC Twin Cities? That course is a, that course is a circus. No, I can look up where that's at, but it's Sanderson Farms, which Mm. I think on the surface just means the guys that are $9,000 or more are not that good, right? It's just such a weak field that the expensive guys are expensive just because they have, someone has to be over 9,000 and it's not truly your elite, elite golfers. Yeah, that's a good one. I didn't even consider looking at it like that, but that, that doesn't surprise me at all. But yeah, Rick, I remember last year, um, Last year, the Players' Championship, it was like one of my first weeks kind of in golf Twitter. I was more of a passive observer from the sidelines, but I just remembered like everybody loved Patrick Cantlay this, that week. Cantlay missed the cut. Everybody loved Webb. Webb missed the cut. Everyone loved Fidel. Fidel missed the cut. Rory had shot like a 79 on day one. Like there's going to be some really big name players that missed the cut this week and do it in pretty like, embarrassing fashion i would imagine yes for sure patrick has a single entry lineup that has a full fifty thousand dollars please tell me to pivot down for one of my guys because golf especially florida golf is weird kind of goes into the bigger conversation i don't like to spend the full 50 but i also don't know if i'd be looking for a reason to get off of it if i like the way it's set up 
Yeah, I don't always, I don't usually spend the full 50 either, but I'm not like not like leaving a thousand dollars on the table, right? Um there are a lot of ways. I would need more I would need more context, Patrick. You yeah. know what you should do, Patrick, is use promo code Andy to sign up for rickrungood.com and then message me in the Slack chat and I can figure out what contest you're talking about and all that, all that stuff. Hey guys, I can't find Cam Young on FanDuel. What's the deal? Yeah, I've heard that. I don't think he's in there, so good luck. Um, let me see what else we've got here. Uh, I'm I'm saving a couple of these because they're one and done, and I we are going to talk about one done here. We'll, we'll we'll end with this one. Gary Woodland seems to be playing better recently. Looks healthy. Any thoughts on Gary? I love Gary. Um, I liked him a little bit more last week than I do. This week, it's ownership dependent for me. I'll I'll see if I can get to him if he's single digit owned. So I'll, he'll probably be in a few lineups. But yeah, he's playing great golf. I don't know if this is this is the perfect course to accentuate what he's best at. But um, he's a good play. I, I'm okay on Gary this week. Let's jump into matchups here. Four and one week for you, Andy. One and four for me. My total drops below 500 for the year, while you improve to 21, eight and one. So, if anything else, and I'm not like a big, hey, follow everything that we do because I don't know anybody's risk tolerance. I'm not going to spend their money for them. But if you were watching this show and playing the props and following Andy's head to head matchups, you'd, you could retire at this point, I think. Yes, Rick, neither of you and I, I say this many times, like I'm not a tout. I'm not a professional handicapper. I'm an information guy. I think my data and information is really good. And I want you to use my data and information and make your own decisions. But uh, you could have made worse decisions in your life than just blindly tailing my matchups. I will say that. For sure. Producer Mina coming in hot with five matchups this week, and all of them are fairly sizable names, I guess, with the Players' Championship. That's what you're going to get. So let's start with a bang here, Andy. Dustin Johnson versus Louis Oosthuizen. I did not like this matchup. What yeah. side would you what side would you like? Ah, uh, yeah. Producer Mina always giving us the hard ones. I, I took DJ. I don't feel great about it. Um, I did not like what I saw out of Louie at the Honda. He made a bunch of like 50 foot putts to just make the cut. And I know he made a lot of birdies, but he also got himself in a lot of trouble on that golf course. And this is another golf course that you're going to, you could get yourself in a lot of trouble. And I'm just going to take the pure talent play of DJ and he's kind of been sneaky good at TPC Sawgrass. So I'll take DJ, but I don't feel great about it. Dustin Johnson to me maybe is the biggest question mark in this field. Cause when he's at full powers or anything close to it, he can contend. I don't know how frequently we've seen that over the last year. I worry about a lot of aspects of his game, but I do think he's just on paper, a better player than Louis Eustazen. However, I took the Louis side of things. Yeah. I just, I, I look at the birdies and I hope that it's easier to clean up the big numbers and the errant, the very errant shots uh, than it is to try to make more birdies. So I'm going to just take, I'm going to take the Louis side, but if we rank these in terms of confidence, this would probably be, you know, one out of five if we are ranking these in in uh, out of the five matchups. Me too, probably. Me too. Yeah, I. Mm. It's tough. We'll see. Wouldn't be. I wouldn't be surprised by any outcome of that. Um, John Rom, Justin Thomas up next. JT, defending champion. 
but you and I are both taking John Rahm here. Yeah, I think John Rahm is probably the most likely winner of this event, right? If we, I don't think that's a hot take by any means. If again, like if Rahm's a neutral putter, which is not a big mountain to climb, he Rahm should. He should be firmly, firmly in the mix. And I like Justin Thomas a lot. Do you buy into the stuff about like um, f- former, w- I saw a stat out there about former winners, like hadn't finished in the top 10 or, or something like that. Like I know both of us are kind of a little out on those things. They are a scam. They're all a scam. They're all a scam. All the trends, all like, I listen. love how passionate you are about this. <laughs> I've got like three soapbox issues. This is one of them. Uh, yeah. I, you know, I send out my email newsletter, which is like, oh, trends and like stupid stuff that you don't even need to know about. And it's just for like stuff that I've come across. But if you are actually making decisions based on, um, well, eight of the last 10 winners have finished top 16 or better in the previous, that's a scam. That's a scam. It makes it zero. If you were investing, what would they say? Uh, past performances do not equal future gains or whatever. It's just, I don't buy it. There's a, there's yeah. like, a, there's also a million other factors that come into play instead of just this one that everyone wants to point to. Okay. I firmly believe with you as well. I still like Justin Thomas for so do you know, different reasons this week, but I don't, um, I think what Rom's doing right now, it's just, it, we're, it's going to happen very, very soon, and I'm going to I'm going to stick around for it. I love both of these guys this week. Rom, yeah. however, has proven he is uh, simultaneously in basically the worst short game stretch of his career, and yeah. also piling up top fifteen finishes. That is just devastatingly scary and good for the rest of the field. He was the best, I think, in both ball striking and tee to green last week. It's just it's coming. It's coming and he's going to destroy everybody when it comes and it's going to be scary stuff. So both of us on John Rahm. How about last week's winner, Scotty Scheffler versus Colin Morikawa? Morikawa, right? I, I'll go Morikawa. I mean, gosh, it's Scotty Scheffler's a tough guy to fade right now. <laughs> yeah. But uh, but I I think Sawgrass is such a good course for what Morikawa is good at, especially if it is a little bit more wet and we do yep. get a little bit more target golf. Um, he is the best iron player in the world. And you're going to hear a million times this week. You don't need to hear me say it too, that iron play is the name of the game at TPC Sawgrass. And, you know, I would agree with that for the most part. I, I, I think Morikawa is going to have a solid week this week. Yeah, soft conditions turn it into a bit of a track man contest sometimes. And if he is playing out of the fairway and he can fly it to any number that he wants and he has the ability to hit whatever number he would like, it's it's going to be pretty tough. So I'll take Morikawa as well. So we're both on Colin Morikawa over Scotty Scheffler. We both have the same guy in the next matchup. It's Xander versus Adam Scott. What side are we on? Xander, of course, I'm human. I mean, do you buy it all into the like forgotten elite type thing? Because I like how non-buzzy Xander is this week. I I think it is, uh, I buy into it from game theory perspective, right? For one and done situations, for DFS purposes. I don't think Xander is like, hey, what's the pulse of me on DFS (laughs) off Twitter this week? And they're like, nobody's talking about you X. And he's like, all right, I'm going to go, I'm going to go run them, run them crazy. Like, I don't think that's happening, but I think from like how we use that information, I, I believe it is, it is valuable. 
Okay, so I like I like Xander a lot this week. I always like Xander, but I like him a lot this week. Um, I think one thing you'll hear with Xander is he's not a Florida guy. Like he never plays in Florida. And that's a narrative that I would really, really like to push back on. There's a lot of context involved with how PGA Tour players pick their schedule. He's also the king of Eastlake, which essentially plays like a Florida golf course. So I, I think Xander has every ability to succeed here. The year that Webb Simpson won, Xander came here on his debut and led the field in ball striking and lost strokes putting, right? So Xander can absolutely succeed on this golf course. Um, I'm playing him in DFS. Um, I'll take him over Adam Scott in this matchup as well. I see the signs for Adam Scott. You know, he's putting well. He's going back to a place he's had great success. He also lost strokes on approach in each of his last three rounds at API. I wonder if the putter is more of a prop than anything. And then I just get... Xander on the other side of it. And I'll just, I'll just take that side. So it's like, it's like whack-a-mole with Adam Mole. Have you noticed like the, st the stats with him are super weird. He's like all over the place. It's like minus four on approach plus six putting. And then those flip like he's, I'm having a tough time figuring out where his game's at. For, for sure. Um, same as well. So we're on Xander. We're on Colin. We're on Rom. We're going to get some blood on Louis versus DJ. And we're going to get some blood on the last one here. Victor Hovland versus Hideki Matsuyama. I will take the Victor side of it. I do listen. The wet can, uh, these guys are both, if they get to put their hand on the ball, um, are, are really scary. And I think the closer they get to the hole, both of these guys would probably consider that they need a little bit of improvement in those categories, but I'm going to take the Victor side of it outside of the miscut in Phoenix, which is the week I had him in one and done. He's been, uh, just lights out phenomenal. And I have no reason to think that's going to stop anytime soon. I, I was really, I really didn't like what I saw with, with Victor short game last week. And I, I, you know, I understand that statistically there are certain metrics that you can look at to say that he has made certain improvements in that category. But I would say of the elite players of the top 10 players in the world, the biggest weakness is either JT's putting or Xander sh or, or Hovland's short game right now. Um, I just don't trust him to get up and down in a, in a big spot. And I'll throw out one more kind of crazy thing. I know I'm sorry you are such a Hovland guy, but okay. what if there's something to... So, and I know this because I bet Victor both weeks. Um, the two worst times that I've ever seen Victor play... And we don't have stats from this, but the team event at the Zurich Classic, he was horrible. He was horrible on that golf course. And I remember because I bet him and the match play. He was horrible at the match play too. And Kiowa Island, he was a very popular bet and he was not good at Kiowa Island. So maybe there's something with the visual deception of Pete Dye. Victor's a very aggressive player and Pete Dye is very good at baiting you into hitting certain shots. And I could see Victor maybe follow. Am I reaching here? Um, I don't know. I honestly don't know if you're reaching here. The, Pete Dye would probably be one of the only guys that I would consider just because you generally get a large enough sample. And I can probably go run the numbers for the Holy Grail and see if it bears out that Victor struggles on Pete Dye compared to other architects. But um, he would. this would be the only argument that I would not immediately shoot down just because we get so many die courses and he is such a unique visual guy. It's not, it, I don't know if it's crazy. I think it's, I think it might be fine. 
Okay. It's a working theory. We're workshopping it. Yeah. We're, we're, we're thinking about it, but yeah, I think, you know, Hideki's case is foolproof right now. Like he's Rick, let me ask you a question. If Hideki wins this tournament, is he the best player in the world? Because Ooh. think about it. Think about it. Since Under, when? Since when? Since, uh, since the start well, of the season? Well, in the last year, he will have had four wins, including the masters and the players. Yes. So the best player in the world. Yeah. If well, I don't okay. So it's weird because I I don't know if I'd give him best player in the world, but I'd happily give him the designation of every golfer would trade resumes with him in the last year. Yeah, it's, it's like the Brady Rogers thing, though. He's like the you know what I mean? Like yeah. he's got I mean, he's the best player. I, I think if he wins this week, players, masters, Zozo, and Sony Open. That's in the last strong. year. It's pretty that's, strong. That's that's crazy. And his strokes gain number won't be as good as Rom, which is fair. Rom's been more consistent, right? And Hideki's still going to have those weeks where he loses five, six strokes putting. But Hideki's like, he's underrated, I think, is a fair statement. He's always been. He he's always yeah, he, been. Yeah. He doesn't even get, like, he's he's 30 to one this week. It's, it's the language barrier. It's the, it's, he's just not as popular as everybody else. And we just forget about it. He is be, he's perpetually underrated. Yeah. I would agree with, I, I would agree with that. And I think Sawgrass is, I mean, this is the funniest reason to pick someone that I've heard, but did you know that before the uh, pandemic canceled the 2020 players, did you know that Hideki shot the course record? I've heard that. Yes. I've heard that yeah. once or twice in my life. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, yeah, that's, that's why I'm on Hideki this week. No, but I, he, this is a good golf course for him. You want to talk about target golf, um, mid to short irons, good driver of the ball, good short game as well. Easy greens, similar to Phoenix green, same overseeded surface. I think he's been pretty good there. So I'll take Hideki. I'll take Victor, uh, to circle back to one thing. I don't think this has been announced yet and I'm not sure if it's official yet, but I'm under the impression that Victor's partner for Zurich is going to be someone massive. Like you should just give him the trophy right now. You're going to have like two studs in the same. Did, did you see my Twitter joke? I, I, you do a very good job of staying above all this stuff, but I noticed. Yeah, I, yes. I do not get down into like the bottoms of, of golf Twitter. <laughs> so um, I don't know if you noticed this on the, on the telecast, but for whatever reason, the first person that they showed congratulating Scotty Scheffler on the win was Sam Burns. So I made a joke on Twitter, um, Sam, Bur how Sam Burns like dropped Billy, the, the, yeah. that missed putt by, but like, he's already on to the next one. Like <laughs> could, could Billy couldn't make a big putt. So he's already on to Scheffler. I'll take Burns and Scheffler plus plus one twenty five at the Zurich. That would be uh, that pretty formidable. Got, got a little run, but yeah, I think, uh, he used his Oklahoma State teammate, Christopher Ventura, last yeah. year, right? Yeah. So poor Christopher, who's chugging away on the Corn Ferry Tour, I think, right now. Yeah, so we'll keep an eye out for an official announcement, but I'm pretty sure that's going to be big. Um, okay, one and done. It's time. So here we go. Uh, Andy, you, as we discussed earlier, are out to a sizable lead, 1500000 for me, but that could Blink of an eye, $3.6 million up top. And as our leader of this one and done, you get to divulge your selection first. Okay, so 
I feel like I'm playing a little defense here, right? Like I think that the purse is so big this week and it's so hard to pick a winner, but a missed cut if you top five or top seven is disastrous for me. Mm-hmm. Disastrous for me, right? So I was going through the field and I've already used Rom. I've already used JT. I think I feel the safest about Daniel Berger finishing in the top 20 of this tournament outside of anyone named John Rom. I just think it's a good golf course for Daniel Berger. He's playing really well. Um, he's played well here before um, Florida. I mean, it's just, I feel very safe that Daniel Berger is going to have a good week. I don't know if I see him winning this week, but I think he's going to have a good week. So I'm going to play Daniel Berger this week and one and done. Speaking of guys who are underrated Berger fought firmly in that category. He withdrew. He had a withdrawal and then a missed cut and people acted like it was the end of the world. And he is just chugging along to like, he's playing way better than the perception of how well he's played. And I think he probably got hurt by blowing the Honda Classic to Seb Straka, which he deserves blame for. He played terrible on Sunday and he did blow that lead. But um, I think maybe you're getting a little bit of a a price break on him this week, just in terms of the perception on him. Um, I think Berger's going to have a really good week. I like this golf course for Daniel Berger. All right. Well, here we go. It's I've t- I'm ready to drop the mic because I'm just going to rock with John Rom here because I've noticed a couple of items. John Rom very good at golf. Also, I've noticed that it's $3.6 million to the winner. Also, I've noticed that Andy already used John Rom. So I knew I was safe to pick him and I'm just going to stick to the plan here. He is, he's the best golfer. He's his short game is struggling. And even with that results are there. I'm I'm ready for the breakout and I'm ready for three point six million dollars in my account. It's scary. I bet John Rom to win this week at fourteen so did I. to one record. So did I. Yeah. So I mean, like, it's scary. I think he is like the most likely winner of this tournament. Um, I used him at Tory Pines and I got a third, which, like, in hindsight, it's like, okay, that's if you can get a third out of anyone, that's pretty good. But I like the position that you're in right now, having him in your holster. Uh, okay, Andy, that has been fun. I could do this for a couple more hours, but David is very in tune with my schedule and he says, you're going <laughs> straight here to the first cut. Enjoy your one minute break. And he is absolutely right. So, uh, we're going to get out of here, but we're going to do it all again on Friday. There's going to be a Friday scramble. We'll do round two props. We'll talk about live odds and what we're seeing from the golf course. And that's really where you can get into all of this. But Andy, as usual, always a pleasure. Thank you so much. You got it, man. And uh, yeah, I our Friday show like it, 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 it's not. It may not be a cut sweat. It may be like an end of first round sweat. So I'm very, I'm very interested to see where this, uh, where this tournament goes, my friend. Well, we'll be around to figure it all out. You can follow Andy on Twitter at ADP Lack Sports, and you can find me at Rick Run Good. This has been your Tuesday scramble. See you next time.